Hi, welcome. This is Dr. John Martini. This is one of the most amazing and inspiring shows that you can listen into. If you want to be on the edge of your seats, if you want to open up your heart, if you want to expand your mind, and you want to meet incredible people, stay tuned because you're just about to experience a transformative radio show that will change your life. And you're listening to the Dr. Pat Show is coming up right next. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me, busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Hey, everybody. Welcome. Um, You know, somebody asked me a question a couple of weeks ago uh, in a very short interview, but they asked me about what if I what impact uh, have people had on the network and on me personally? And, you know, it was an interesting question because, you know, I've thought about it a lot, but nobody's actually even cared enough to ask. So here's what I want to say. When you watch someone, anyone, but in my case, in our case here at the network, when you watch someone that you meet for the first time and you see that they have a passion, you see that they have a purpose, and there's this voice that comes forward. And from that voice, they develop a way to help other people heal, to move beyond fear and anxiety to have breakthrough sessions, to create things beyond what we can even imagine or you can imagine that one is capable of doing. And when I answered the question, the follow-up question was, well, who are the people that come to mind? And I thought about the people that were here with us from the beginning. There are several, but one in particular is Dr. Friedemann Show. And when I think about even our first time meeting, getting into the studio over there in Bellevue, sitting and talking about what do you think you're going to create for your first book? And then to see his first book come out, Fear and Anxiety Solution. And then to see the shift and the change in the direction, but something all-inclusive still with the mission and the purpose of helping every one of us be the best that we could be at any time of the day and any time of the week and year and life. And that's what today is about. It's reconnecting with a friend and a colleague because he has not stopped doing what he does best. And that is helping all of us, all of you. Today, I'm excited to know (laughs) that that I, I actually was part of seeing the little teeny baby birth of this idea, the empowerment solution. And when Dr. Friedman Chow got the idea from where I sit, he didn't hesitate. He went out and he said, I'm going to talk about this and I'm going to do something about it. Now, today, all of you get to meet him the way that I've known him. And that is to talk about the empowerment solution, six keys to unlocking your full potential with what the subconscious mind. This timing of this book and the folks at Inner Traditions, the the timing uh, of, of when this book comes out, like now, not a year ago, but now. One can never think about how perfect it is. For many of you, I have called him Dr. Friedemann for so long 
He is Dr. Friedemann Chow. He is a physician, a researcher, a personal development coach. He is the author of, yes, and it is an award-winning book, The Fear and Anxiety Solution. He has created many, many ways for all of us to take a look at what's going on, why we're getting stuck, and how to break through it. You know, his research and publications have hit many, many magazines, and now here he is. Here he is with another groundbreaking book, The Empowerment Solution, or Empowerment Solutions. He has Empowerment Solutions podcast. He 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 does this beautiful dance in his life, which is about stepping out. And so if you're going to write a book called The Empowerment Solution, and and your first book, and your first book was The Fear and Anxiety Solution, then of course you're going to show up like my friend and colleague, Dr. Friedemann Show. Dr. Friedemann, it's great to have you. Welcome, 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 and congratulations again. Thank you so much. You are so good and making me feel blushing. <laughs> I mean, it's just, <laughs> I wish it could be my spokesperson if I would need one. This is just amazing. Yeah, I was thinking about the third book. That's going to be what? Just the solution or how do I going to call it? I don't yeah. know. Exactly. No, no, that's it. That's it. That is the book, right? I mean, like, of course, you just named it here. Everybody, you all have heard it first. That There we go. Um and why not, though? Let's talk about the why not. You know, I gave I gave people a view of what I saw, but I really want to know from where you sit how this journey evolved for you. And it's not just about writing a book. It's the many faceted ways that you and I have this in common, Dr. Friedman. We had to face ourselves. We had to face our past. We had to face what, we, what people thought we should do. And then we went out. But how would you describe today this journey when you first saw the light that you were going to do something different and follow your heart in many, many ways to get you right here today? Hmm. Well, I think the journey definitely caused my dad to do a lot of head shakes <laughs> and my mom a lot of grievings because it started as, you know, the the kid that goes into the footsteps of the parents and becomes a doctor and everyone was just pretty much agreeing that this is what you need to do. And I stuck through it until I had all these panic attacks and anxieties that told me you're not on the right track. Yes, you're on the way to become some kind of a professor in cardiology, but is it really what you want? Do you really really stuck for 30 years in that? So that was my real big wake up call. And looking back, I remember that night where I had this voice in my head very clearly. It was really the turning point because from that point on, there was a seed planted in my head that says, I need to make a course correction. And that course correction got me to Seattle, but not into what I'm doing now, but into research and working on cells and working on cell suicide, which is a really fascinating topic. And and after I did my PhD in molecular biology, I realized nah, that's not it either, because <laughs> I want to help people and not just cells or rats. And so then I got really fascinated into the mind and the body and how they connect and how the power of our thoughts and emotions can ultimately either cause us illness or help us heal. And that's when I got into especially the one emotion that I struggled with for so many years and also so many people are struggling with, which is anxiety. It's yeah. such a powerful emotion. And if I would have not had my anxiety, we would not talk right now. So I'm very grateful 
And my mission is helping people not to condemn, fight, distract themselves from their anxiety, but really to look at the anxiety because it's a looking glass into yourself. It's a way to find who you really are. Yeah. Let me ask you a follow-up question because I love we're talking about this. You know, out of all the things that I think I've experienced and, you know, I think I think when you grow up in New York and the situation I grew up in, you kind of get used to fear and it almost become normalized. You know, mm -hmm. if you live, if really, if you live in New York, you know, what most people would be very scary for them, like even a ride on a subway, you just do it naturally. So there's something that happens with fear that it normalized is not a good word, but you know what I'm saying? It, it, it moves down the list of things mm. that you have to worry about. The one that doesn't move down is anxiety. Let's talk about that for a minute. If people could use that feeling, that anxiety feeling, and they will, if they read your books and work with you, they'll get this. But when they feel it, if they can just say, oh, now I'm getting ready to do my next big thing. What do you think about that statement? <laughs> that would be fantastic. It would be great. Like, oh, thank you so much, anxiety, for showing me the way, or at least making me aware that I'm not on the right track. Yes, yeah. that's yeah. exactly what I hope people will see their anxiety from. You know, I often co compare anxiety also to this pain, you know, this this physical pain, if you have physical pain, well, at some point you cannot deny it. And you say, I guess I have to figure out what's going on here. Why do I have physical pain? With anxiety, we don't do this necessarily. We have anxiety and then we are saying, oh my God, let's get rid of that. But we're not saying, why am I anxious? Right. And you know, there are two reasons why we're anxious. The one reason is because our past is still haunting us. And the second is that we are not really heading towards the right future. It's very simple. It's like an inner GPS. It tells you, okay, there is something that, you know, maybe a wound from the past, a trauma that you haven't dealt with. Or like in my case, you're heading somehow over the cliff into, you know, feeling not fulfilled or bored or yeah. whatever it is. You're not really what you're supposed to be. Yeah. So these two things, and that's embracing anxiety and not being scared of it. Yeah. I love that you're talking about this because the latest statistics are coming out now. The I, I like to call it, I don't even say the word COVID, but people say post-COVID. Uh, the post-COVID psychology, I heard one of my peers talk, say that, and I'm like, I don't even, what does that even mean? And, you know, what I think they mean is we're coming out of three unusual years. And somebody asked me, had you ever seen anything like this before? And I said, you know, let me just be clear. I, it is a unique situation for sure. But have we seen the level of people get stuck, be traumatized, enter fear of state of anxiety, think that they're going to lose everything? Of course we have. It's over time. And the follow-up question was interesting, Dr. Friedman. They said, well, Pat, when, when can you remember? And I said, I think what we've done is we forgot 2008, 2009, and 2010. I said, mm. that was for people one of the most difficult fear, anxiety, helpless, hopeless times. And yet nobody wanted to talk about it. They wanted to forget it and move away. Elizabeth Warren was the only buddy talking about it on the political arena. But this is the point. It doesn't go away. Mm -hmm. You know, you come forward. And I want to ask you this question because I want people to see from where you sit, the connection between the fear and anxiety solution and the empowerment solution, because there is one. And 
you know, my sense of of this is perhaps in the back of your mind, as you were writing The Fear and Anxiety Solution, you knew where you, you were going to write this book, did you? You know, maybe way back, but it does. I remember it came to me really on a Sunday walk somewhere in the forest and boom, there it was. Oh, that's what you have to write about. So it wasn't that aware until that moment that this is the next uh, chapter or the next book. But it's interesting what you said. You're absolutely right about that. There was trauma before COVID. There was, you know, anxiety before it. And uh, I have to say when COVID hit, I was hoping it's going to actually turn out to be an opportunity for many people yeah. because there was so much that we couldn't do so yeah. many distractions that fell away so much of self-facing that we had to do and and so many people realized whoa i'm so uncomfortable with myself this is terrible i hate being by myself which is understandable but that doesn't mean that's the end point you can just say okay how can i find a closer connection to myself and we have missed that opportunity, at least, you know, many of us. We just uh, so glad now everything is open and now we can do whatever we want again and happily not feel or think about ourselves. And and that's too bad because I think that's what the anxiety ultimately wants, our attention. And to answer your question, the empowerment solution is simply the the natural next step of the um, the fear and anxiety solution. The fear and anxiety solution helps you to get really in touch with your subconscious and the root causes of fear and anxiety. But the empowerment solution helps you to implement all that into your day to day life and literally grow into, as I call it, the leader of your life, not just the follower, not the one that feels lost that I like I have been and maybe you have been. I mean, you remember your early career that did not feel right to you you felt lost so. oh my god Tr crust busting come on <laughs> crust busting was based on so think about the brand right i mean think yes. about your crust busting was all about me not being able to get off a couch and dialing a wrong phone number and and 20 years ago dialing a wrong phone number and saying yes to internet only radio go go back there was no smartphone. We, I don't even know if there was a flip phone, but there, I never looked back. And that was the first thing. And then, of course, you know, the Seattle Network, KKNW, AM 1150, it goes on and on and on. But how do you create something like that? Right. Well, you're, you know what it feels like to be so stuck that the metaphor you use is being crusted over, right? Here's what I love about where we are. And I'm gonna, I want to talk about this. <clears throat> You and I have a very interesting perspective on things. Your perspective is on the idea of power and empowerment. And out of the gate in your book, I'm bringing this up because after 21 years, I finally found something I really, other than crust busting, I found something I'm really excited to bring to the world. It took me a long time to do it. But we have one thing in common. And I love when you say, why you are never powerless. You know, if we stopped right there in the book, we'd get a very good lesson. If we just stopped there and could understand that phrase that you put in the book, that would be groundbreaking. Out of everything you could have started the book out, 
anything Dr. Friedemann Schaub could have brought in here and said, come on, give me part one. You went there. Tell me why. Well, because the illusion of powerlessness is such a, a big one that so many of us are just feeling trapped in. You know, this is, we literally believe, and I was a firm believer in this too, that other people have my power or that I give my power away and then end up having no power. And I mean, just you know, think about, you know, you living in New York, how often were you stuck in traffic, you know, having to wait long lines, you know, you're feeling all this noise and you just cannot turn it off. So there's a lot where we feel like life is done to us and we are powerless. And that's when we have to realize you're never powerless. Yeah. We have this innate and limited amount of power to adapt and to choose how we think and feel about something, even if the outer circumstances don't change. Our perceptive changes, and that's really important. And I, I heard something of, it was like a movie trailer or something, and it said in that trailer, people have uh, are not really interested in seeing all of reality they get stuck in their perception of reality and and we are here to open the perception and i totally agree with this we have to see that we have a responsibility to use our power to make us hopefully better beings but to also make the contribution in the world that we have to make because let's face it we cannot hide behind powerlessness anymore. We cannot hide behind, you know, oh, there is one leader that we're going to follow and we are just a little sheep. We have to step it up in order for us, our children, all the generations after us still have a livable planet. I think that's our responsibility. And, and that's what I'm so passionate about, to help people to realize you have the power, you have a purpose. There is something inside of you that will tell you exactly what your contribution is. Stop sabotaging yourself. Yeah. I love that you came out of the gate with that because, you know, this is really for me, I'm going to be speaking about this later today on the live show. First time I'm ever speaking about it. And I'm pretty sure that um, the people in our industry and in the psychology industry will have a few things to say. But this idea of living in black and white contrast, you're either this or you're that without any relativity would have totally blown Einstein out of the water. He would have probably had to go into arts and crafts as, you know, some kind of profession. You know, look at what Jung did. He sculpted because we all get to face ourselves. In this book, The Empowerment Solution, it is that place where you are very direct in the solution and very direct in helping us understand our own dynamic. That's what I love. And and right out of the gate, you talk about things that people know, people know, but they don't want to do. It's just the way you're doing it. I want to talk to you about the idea of introducing people to the many sides of themselves that the subconscious mind may, may hide to them. Self-compassion, um, invisibility, self-responsibility. Um, self-reliant. These are the things that when you open and you come from the book and you get past that first part, that introductory part about now, okay, I'm not, and then you take us through, wait a minute, this is the next step. 
You've seen this in your clients. Tell me what happens when people take responsibility for themselves. Well, you know, when I was working with a coach as I was leaving academia, uh, one of the things that she helped me find is my core value. And my core value, I thought, is security. But then I figured out, wait a second, my core value is actually freedom. And what happens when you tell when you take self-responsibility, you get free. You are free from all that what you felt was holding you back. You know, this is about the victimization that we feel other people has been doing to us. This is why I have kind of a hard time with this whole trauma wave that's going on right now. Everyone talks about trauma and everyone talks about how much trauma has been affecting us and how we have to heal our traumas. And I understand, and it is true, trauma is certainly, you know, has a big impact on that, but it does have a little bit of a hinge of, uh, of victimization. We are the victim of trauma and the perpetrator who created the trauma. And that is, unfortunately, again, a disempowering point of view. So self-responsibility is ultimately the key that unlocks you from being the victim into being the one who is realizing that there is always something for you to learn and grow from the past. There is always for you this self-responsibility yeah. to see the past as your sandbox, no matter who was in it and where you grow from and not anyone has put you in there and now you're stuck for the rest of your life. It's up to you. Yeah. And that's very powerful. You know, it's interesting. Many, many years ago, like like a lot, like a lot of years ago, um, I was totally out of control. I mean, if you would have looked at me in my twenties, I just considered that having fun. Yeah. With my behavior in the twenties, I you whatever you want to call that, it was just like, okay, come on, people. This is a time where we love every each other and we just do what we want. But in my thirties, that behavior went really bad. And I remember being at a point where my I looked at my life, Dr. Friedman, in my big corporate job, in my big suit, my big salary, and my six-acre home, and my 4,000-square-foot house, and my sports car, and my truck, and my beautiful collie, great relationship, everything looked good. And I looked in the mirror, coming down, you know, when you go to your corporate job, right? Not like us, like now. When right. you go to your corporate job, you have that big fat mirror before you go to the garage. And I remember looking in the mirror. I was unrecognizable to myself. And it was that moment. And I, I think I, I think there's a place in the book that you talk about it. You mentioned the key to owning your past. You mentioned you mentioned another thing, but it was it was such a tipping point for me. Now, what I did after that is for another show and a very long story. But I remember that like it was yesterday. I will never forget the feeling, the emotions. One of the things I love about you and what you've done from the get-go is you have always helped people with their emotions. I remember some of the shows you've done. You are one of the first that I can recall really talking about it. You know, before we came up with this EQ, you are out there, radio shows about it, talking about it, taking callers, you were doing that. 
fast forward to where we are today in the Empowerment Solution, this fabulous book. You've not let up on that from what I could tell in this book. But now you're providing solutions. What holds people back, Dr. Friedman, from where you sit? What holds us back from looking in the mirror and facing ourselves like that moment I had? I just love this example that you gave because, you know, one of the chapters is about the pattern of invisibility. Yep. Now, when you hear invisibility, you immediately think about little Daisy hiding in the back of the room, not wanting to talk to anyone and becoming a wallflower. And, uh, and that's one way of invisibility. But what you described is the other invisibility, which is where we are becoming invisible to ourselves where we are hiding so well under a mask, whether it's a mask of control or power or success, that we really disconnect from our truth. And that invisibility is also a protection mechanism, simply the same as the invisibility of, you know, just not wanting to be seen, not wanting to be heard. You're not true. You're not honest and you are not vulnerable and you're not showing anymore what's inside of you. And that invisibility is usually because we are scared. We're scared of judgment, not fitting in, scared of what other people may think. So we play these roles and that's what holds us back. One of the things that holds us back that we are losing touch with our innocent self, the true self, the one that at some point knew this is what I'm here for. This is who I am. I was always a kid that was driving with my mom on her rounds to the little farm places out there in the Black Forest. She was also a doctor like everyone else in my family, but she always took me because, you know, I often Wednesday afternoons off. And as soon as I talked as an eight year old with, you know, the, the farmers and one was sick, my mom took care of that person. The others talked to the little boy inside. Man, they told me things that they afterwards said, I don't know why I'm telling you all of this. I don't know. You're <laughs> just a little boy. So I knew there was a little bit of a, a gift inside of me to just be able to listen and ask the right questions. I totally forgot about this all. So this innocent self who also believed in the magic of life and was happy-go-lucky, that innocent self disappeared, especially during the time when I was in academia and, and medicine. And I had to unearth this innocent self. And I invite you all to think about back the time when you were little, when you were five, six years old, and you remembered when life was easy and there was no pressure and there was just you feeling your true, authentic, innocent self. Who were you? What did you like to do? <coughs> what yeah. were your qualities? Okay, we're going to talk about that when we come back from break, because that moment you just described right there is related to the mirror moment. I didn't think about it till you just brought it up, but of course, there you would be. When we come back, we're going to talk with Dr. Friedemann Chubb, award-winning author, but he is so much more. You know, I'm so honored to take this journey with him for a lot of reasons. You know, early on when we were starting this, there were people that believed in us and we stood and even stand today on the shoulders of people like Dr. Friedman Show. You know, they said, yes, they, they said, yeah, there's something about this positive talk, even if you are calling it crest busting, that I can, it's a good vibe. When we come back, we're going to talk about 
the mirror and the mirage. What does taking a stand mean? But before we do, look, how do people get the book? But you're not just doing the book. You have a whole bunch of things for people. Please tell them. How, how do they get the book? How do they work with you? All of the above. Well, the easiest is to go to drfriedman.com. And it's always Friedman. So there is an E after the D and it's 2N. But uh, I'm sure it's going to be in the show notes. Uh, and if you do drfriedman.com forward slash new slash book, you actually can order the book through Amazon. But then you can also get all these fantastic gifts from people like you and and 15 other uh, healers and speakers and authors that supported the launch and supported me in on this journey. And so they all gave special gifts as a thank you. So take advantage of that and, and go there and uh, hopefully you can enjoy the book. You can buy it also in all other stores and online. I don't want to just do a plug for Amazon for sure, but you can yeah. find it there. Yeah. Oh, no, I look. Your book's available everywhere. Um, the other thing also, if you could mention, I know you do class, you do courses, you do coaching. What is the best way for people to work with you in those areas? Well, you can do one-on-one -on -one, uh, coaching with me. Uh, and that's, again, you find everything about that on the website. I will have in May starting an online course from anxiety to empowerment. Love it. And that's going to be a really, really fabulous uh, six session online course with three live uh, coaching sessions. Uh, so I think you should take advantage of it because it's definitely affordable and it is, if I may say so, life changing. Yeah, I will say so. And a lot of other people have said so. Uh, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, I want to tell you about that five-year-old. I want to call it this uh, in, in the spirit of Dr. Friedemann. And for so many years, you remember I called you Friedemann because I didn't know how to pronounce Friedemann. I, I, I just kept saying Friedemann. And you never it. corrected me. <laughs> but when I we come back. Called me, so you're doing good. <laughs> I'm doing good. I had a harder time with Schaub, but I got that handled. Oh, yeah. That's why nobody knows my last name right? Oh, yeah. So when we come back, we're going to talk about this because this is going to be th th this next part of his book. I didn't expect it in the book. When I saw it, I said, yes, that's it. That is it. So think about this. Can you go from empowerment as a child, let's say five, I like the age of five, to anxiety, looking in the mirror, to empowerment. When we come back, what does taking a stand mean to you? Now, you're going to have to read the book to figure out what Dr. Friedemann is saying about it. But what does taking a stand mean to you today in this moment? Let's take a short break, everybody. We'll be right back. TransformationTalkRadio.com In our world today, we are often weighed down by pain, sorrow, insecurity, and complicated feelings of self. What if you could turn that pain into power? Join me, Christine Vibrant, on Waking Hope, a powerful show about nurturing, healing, and opportunity to find your purpose and better me empowered lives. Streaming live on the second and fourth Thursdays of every month at 8 a.m. Pacific time on Transformation Talk Radio. I look forward to seeing you there. Hey, everybody, welcome back. I am so thrilled. For those of you that just are tuning in, Dr. Freedom and Schaub is joining me here today. We are talking about the empowerment solution. Many of you know him from the fear and anxiety solution. You also know him from his podcast. You also know him from years of work. 
to perfect this, to bring solutions to people. And he was joking earlier in the show, but I think he should do it. I think his next book should simply be the solution. Um, you heard it here first. Uh, again, uh, drfriedemann.com is the website, and that's DR for doctor, correct? Yes. Drfriedemann.com. Um, the book is available pretty much anywhere. When you go to his website, it's there. Uh, also, throughout the show, you're going to see images of the book. We're going to tell you how to get it, all of the above. But most importantly, what I know him for, before books, and he has done shows. He and I would used to do shows with some of his clients that would come on. Here's what I know. It is life-changing. That was not a joke before the break. It is life-changing. Okay, taking a stand. You ready for it? You brought it up. You brought up the five-year-old. You ready? At five, for me, I had a rough early childhood. My mom got hooked on barbiturates is what they used to be called. Topped that off with alcohol. Ultimately, a first suicide attempt didn't take. Second one did. The only way I know about it is my stepmom kept letters from her that my dad threw away. But at five, I knew I was having a rough road. My uncles, Dickie, Bobby, Billy, Johnny, Louie, Dickie, Bobby, Billy, Johnny, Louie, on my mom, my mom's side, gave me an official pair of boxing gloves. Now, these guys were in the rackets. These were boxing gloves from like a boxer who I found out later had lost. So I get these boxing gloves and I get them on and they get me this punching doll. Do you remember those blow up punching dolls way yeah, back? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Now look, I don't email me about the violence and stuff. I already know that that's not what this is about. So I just want to say to everybody, they knew I was different. Many years later, I found out that I was in today's language on the spectrum. They knew I was different. They knew I cried. They knew I loved rocking. They knew it. But they gave me the boxing gloves. I didn't take them off for a month. It drove everybody nuts. Why did they do that? What, what was the message? Later on, I asked one of my uncles about it. And he said, you needed to learn how to take care of yourself. You needed to know what was true for you, what you were going to believe in, what you were going to fight for. That was my five-year-old. That was my five-year-old. And when I think back at this and where I am today and that moment in the mirror, that was a moment of anxiety-filled empowerment to look in the mirror and say, no mas, I don't know who you are but I have a sense of who you want to become. In that moment, I had to take a stand. In your book, that's what you talk about. Mm. And I couldn't help talking to you about it on the show. And I've had many of those moments, even after the boxing gloves and so forth. Um, I actually went on to learn how to box when I was a little older, just saying. Um, but taking a stand and putting it in this book, this is powerful. Why was this important for you to include here, Dr. Friedman? Well, it's a really, uh, I think, an important piece of living an authentic life to remember who we were before we took on these roles or these masks or 
you know, played nice to fit in. I mean, in some ways you could say you definitely were thrown out in the deep end when you were five years old and you had to make a choice. Do I leave the boxing gloves on and, you know, really fight for myself or am I, you know, just giving up? And unfortunately, I'm sorry for what happened to you because I wish I would know who that four-year-old or three-year-old was before your mom maybe got hooked at or Mm -hmm. when you were kind of, you know, really innocent that life hadn't thrown you curveballs because that's maybe also information that is interesting and important to to remember you know because that was already survival that you were dealing with well let me answer that my mom taught me how to love she was the most loving i mean that was her curse that was her gift and her curse Hmm. she was the most loving and she was an entrepreneur Back then, for a woman in a, in a, an Italian family to want to open up a store and, you know, have a jukebox in it. And I mean, this was my mom, but she knew how to love. She knew how to love. My music affiliation is through her. So I got that, too. And I consider that the best of both worlds, right? To do both. But you just said it. When I looked in the mirror... Everything changed. Mm -hmm. Now, the short version of it is I looked at myself. I looked at what the corporation wanted me to do in that moment. I saw it was out of integrity, firing somebody with 29 years and 11 months of service. That was my job. I wasn't going to do it. I took a stand. But the way you describe this made it very clear to me the underpinnings of what was happening. Let's talk about that. Fitting in at all costs, of course got the suit. The boss says, I hate pink. You never wear pink blouse again. Got a big job. You're fitting in. You don't know your truth. And then you have a moment of truth. What does this part of the empowerment solution help people get to? You know, that is such a a difficult thing that what so many people are now dealing with this need to fit in. And I, I really do believe that this is part tribal consciousness, which we probably have since ever. But then there is also this new consciousness that is driven by especially social media, where there is a need to be cool, a need to somehow be relevant, to fit in, to get a lot of attention and likes that drives us away from ourselves. We are we are more looking for how we are supposed to be and how we are getting likes rather than saying, what do I actually like about myself? Those questions are not even asked anymore. So one aspect of the book is realigning with your essence. And what I mean with that is it even goes further back than your innocent self, the five-year-old or six-year-old. It goes back to before you were even born before you were even conceived. Now, whether you are now an atheist and don't believe in any of those things, or whether you have a spiritual background, it doesn't matter. It's more maybe for you, if you don't believe, metaphorical. If you do believe, I'm talking about the eternal, infinite consciousness that we all have inside of us. At least that's what I believe. And so if we remember what that was before we had this incarnation. What was our purpose? Why did we decide to be here? What is actually the gift that we are bringing here? What are the core values that we are here to share? That is literally stripping yourself away from all those overlays and programmings and imprints that 
hide you and you have been hiding underneath and it brings you back to the essence. And what I find so fascinating that when I work with clients going back to this place, whether they are doctors or entrepreneurs or students, and they go back that they all have the same experience, a huge relief. It is literally a feeling of coming home to yourself in ways that they haven't felt before. And that is when you realign with your essence, just also then that freedom to know, I don't have to take on any kind of judgment or criticism because I know who I am better than anyone else because now I know my essence. And that's empowering you to make a stand. That's a moment when you can say, I can follow my truth. I can say no to something that's not in alignment with my values. And I can say yes to what I'm really here to do. I love this part of the book. And, you know, the way, the reason I love it is everything that I know about you, your previous book, Fear and Anxiety Solution, the, you know, the beginning of this, how you describe this, what the invitation is for some of us. When I got to this part, I said, oh my gosh, he's in my brain. Like he's in, like, he's in my head. And the one that hit me, I think there are two that hit me that I think are hitting people. This, this one in particular, I think is the key to the V word, victimization. It is the helper pattern of overextended and underappreciated. Mm -hmm. That right there, I think it's one of the most difficult things for people to detect in themselves because it's almost like that, that analogy with the frog in the water. It's like the frog, and please, I, I would never do this, but it is, an, it is a little an analogy. You put the frog in boiling water, the frog is out. It's like, but this right here, this helper pattern, that is like putting anything in cold water and slowly turning up the heat where you can't realize that you're about to have a moment in the mirror where you're either going to see yourself or you're not. If you see yourself, you can get out of the water. If you don't, off you go. Now, tell me, is it as difficult for people to see this parts of themselves? Is it, is it or is that just my latest little epiphany about myself? <laughs> It's absolutely <laughs> difficult, but it's also difficult to give it up. See, oh. I mean, there is like a, I have to say, sometimes I like my little research brain because the way I dissect this is also addressing what we usually do and say to ourselves to get stuck in this pattern. You know, the things that we are making as excuses. Now, I am an expert with a helper pattern because I was born as a helper. I was born as a peacemaker. That's why I'm called Friedemann, man of peace, literally translated from German. That was my designated job for my family. So I know all about that. And the way we justify this pattern is that, well, we are just, you know, very giving and giving is always better than receiving or taking care of yourself is selfish or, you know, there is also this when someone is in pain, I cannot just not help them. Of course, I feel their pain and I want to support all those excuses. I dismantle and turn them around and give you the freedom to say, no, I don't have to do this anymore. It's actually more selfish of me to be a helper than taking care of myself. Why? 
because as a helper, you have a secondary benefit that most people don't want to admit, which is you want a thank you in return. You want gratitude. You want people to make you feel like that you're important to them. And I and many others have felt that when we don't get that, we get frustrated. Yeah. Yeah. We get irritated to the yeah. extreme, bitter. We become yeah. the martyr. And that is where we have to realize I'm making people actually the ones that I want something in return from in order for me to boost my confidence. It's like, you know, doing a good day of the deed uh, of the day, a good deed of the day and helping an old woman across the street, uh, crossing the street when she doesn't want to even go across the street. It's just like <laughs> you're forcing yourself onto people as a helper. Of course I'm there for you, but deep inside you resent them because they can never really give you what you want, which is to value yourself. Yeah. And so the solution here is to do this self-commitment. And one of the commitment steps is to have boundaries. And there are four boundaries that we all have to learn about. They are unbreakable, but they start with saying yes to you and saying, I need to fill my cup. I cannot always just give, give, and in the end have nothing to give because I'm completely empty. Yeah. That could be an entirely whole show right there. The way you write about it, the boundaries, the four boundaries, they're so very important. Boundaries are important anyway. And I think that moment in the mirror was me, and, and this is my language, Dr. Friedemann, that was me drawing the line in the sand. But I wasn't drawing it for me and other people. I was drawing it for myself. I was looking at myself and saying, this is, this is the line in the sand, Pat. This is where you have an awakening and all of what you're feeling about what the success in corporate America means to you and what you're willing to sell, what part of yourself you're willing to sell because of uh, whether it's um, people pleasing, whether it's success, whether it's ambition, whether it's, you know, false illusion about self, all of the things that you talk about in the book, that moment changed. But here's what I didn't know and what I want to talk to you about next. I didn't have your book. I changed. I went into my corporate job and I was a executive. I didn't have you I could talk to. And I went in there and I took a stand. I didn't think about the consequences. I didn't think that I probably would lose my job. When my boss demanded I fire this woman, I'll never forget it, 29 years, 11 months of service, we're in the middle of a downsizing that I'm supposed to implement to everybody. I knew they cheated. I knew they changed the rules. I knew they went after senior I knew this because I was there. And that mirror moment, up until then, I was going to do it. Mm. But this thing you just talked about, whether it's spirituality whatever one wants to call it, I had a connection. What I didn't have is what you talk about next. Let's do it. When you have a moment, there is action. Now, clearly, I was meant to act exactly the way I acted. I was supposed to be able to, I lost, I was like to my boss, take my head count. She did. I was six months away from a full pension. I started working there very young. I was at 24 and a half years of service, and it didn't matter. Taking charge. Talk about this. Because this integration through implementation 
It's a great acronym, by the way. I don't know if you're using it. This language and the way you talk about this, this needs to be on a card in everybody's possession or an app on our phone because we don't do this. We will stop at this point. We get floundering. We don't know what to do. Tell me about taking charge and the use of that language taking charge for you. You want to drive a point home. Tell us what it is. Well, I think taking charge is really staying true to yourself and, and really being, like I said, the leader of your life. And a good leader knows the mission. You know, you know your mission because you know yourself. You know what your purpose is. You know what you're here to do and what you give. And you're willing to really implement that into your life. Taking charge also means that you're continuously having the humility to grow. And that you're saying, yes, I make course corrections. I uh, implement also feedback that I'm getting. And I will understand that everything I'm getting is not necessarily the truth, but I can always consider how can I uh, grow from it? How can I become a better version of myself? And ultimately, it is about connecting to your heart. I think so many of us are attached to our heads, are attached to rational thinking, whatever feels logical and real, and we are forgetting completely that so much wisdom of ourselves is in our heart. And how can we open our hearts again? Well, ultimately, we have to start opening our hearts to ourselves. You know, so many people believe, oh, I got hurt, I got disappointed, so I'm just going to build a wall around me and then I'm safe. Well, unfortunately, they also lock themselves out. And then they have no access to all this beautiful wisdom and the compassion and the love in their hearts. And, and that is one thing that the book helps you also. How can you open your heart to yourself and how, big word, how can you start loving yourself again so that your implementation comes from love and not yeah. from survival yeah. Yeah. and yeah. not from obligation, but from love? Yeah, I, I love that we're getting to this. And one of the things that I didn't mention before that you talked to earlier, there's a point you get to when you cross what I call the line of resentment. <clears throat> and when you cross the line of resentment, you're into a whole energy, you know, and um, in, in, in the coaches I've had, the work I do, and especially in my recovery, we call resentment the number one offender. If you don't take care of everything we've just talked about, this movement forward, this movement forward may be done like me, kind of like in the dark, just kind of like doing what your emotions tell you to do. But there's a way to do this, which brings empowerment full circle, isn't there? Yeah, I think we have to really go through those six keys that I describe in order to go to that empowered place and then implement it there. So it's not you order it overnight and the next day it arrives. You have to do some work. And that's the fun part. You know, we do work on ourselves physically. People are so committed to going to the gym and sweating and being in pain. And then they feel like, well, I'm really strong now. But mentally, emotionally, they are crumbling because they are either ganging up on themselves or feel like the world again is, is against them. So yeah. let's do some mental, emotional strengthening work, getting more flexible, being more you know, resilient, learning more about your own qualities and strengths. And that is what this book helps you with. It does get you fit 
to be your true self. It does give you all the keys you need, but you have to not rush through them. You have to really integrate them, go through these 22 tools that are collected in this. And they're going to be tools for the rest of your life. They're not just like one way tools that are going to break after you use them. They're actually going to be there for you always. And once you master those tools, you're going to be the master of your life. And and that's my hope for everyone who's reading it. And I was asked the other day, so who is this book for? And to be honest, I think everyone should read it. Everyone can really benefit from it. There is not one subsection that needs it more than another. Yeah, I didn't ask you that question because it's very clear to me it's for everyone and anyone. What I also love about the book is, and this is something I hadn't thought about, both of your books are also family tools. And what I mean by family tools is that nobody is struggling more right now than families. Families Mm -hmm. that are coming out of COVID and the latest numbers on moms just came out. Oh my gosh, the stats on that, we got to do something to help them. But it's a book. And these are both books. It's a book that they have tools, but they have life learning tools, Dr. Friedman. See, this is the difference. We don't get this in school. We should be, we should take, we should take this course in school. We don't. And then once we realize we need it, we have to unravel everything that you talk about in part one and part two of the book. I want to thank you for today. Look, I'd love to know your personal message, but also, again, tell folks how they can find out more about you, your coaching, your events, how they can get the book. And thank you for joining us today. Well, go to my website, drfriedman.com, D-R-F-R-I-E-D-E-M-A-2-N.com. I also would love for you to check out my podcast on YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, and so on. Uh, yeah, my personal message is just be curious again. Be curious about yourself. Whatever you thought you are, I promise you, you are so much more than that. And that's the most worthwhile journey we can go on, the journey to our true self. Start it today and you will never look back. Thank you so much. And I want to tell all of you out there, um, I love and I'm honored to take this journey with Dr. Friedemann Chow. Over the years, every show he's ever done, every message he's ever put out there has stopped me in my tracks to think. And from that, I got to create, I got to learn, and I got to grow. Sometimes very expectedly, other times very beautifully unexpectedly. If you are struggling fear, anxiety, if you want to be free and take the walk of empowerment, this is what he's dedicated his life to. Give him a call, schedule a consult for you, your family, and for your life. Thank you all for tuning us in and turning us on. 